Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, Patreon fans and anybody else who might be hearing this uh, recording. This is the third of our four-part series as we cover how the media dealt with the death of Terry Sawchuk in 1970. In our last episode, when we, we left you, uh, the media had just made the announcements of Terry's passing, and we gave you how the various news sources reported those facts. In today's uh, show, what we're going to look at is how the reporting from the point of Terry's death on sort of diverged. That'll take up the final two parts of this series. Today's episode deals with the path that the media took in covering the legal aspects of how Terry met his untimely demise. And in the final episode, we'll talk about all the tributes paid to Terry by the various uh, sports writers of the day in 1970. The real uh, reporting on the uh, legal aspect started on Tuesday, June 2nd, and the New York Times once again with Gerald Eskenazi uh, manning the typewriter had the main story with a headline that read, Police Link Sawchuck's Death to, quote, an altercation plan to question Stewart. And a fatal blood clot is tied to the blow. And here is what uh, Gerald Eskenazi wrote in the New York Times that day. After studying the autopsy reports and the death of Terry Sawchuck, the Nassau County Homicide Squad said yesterday that the contributory causes were injuries received in an altercation. You can bet that we'll be questioning Ron Stewart, said Detective Matthew Bonora of that police force. Stewart was Sawchuck's roommate on the New York Rangers and, according to a hospital statement from Sawchuck, had accidentally kicked him. And I don't remember hearing up to this point that Terry said he'd been kicked. Sawchuck, who held many of the National Hockey League records for goaltenders, died at New York Hospital on Sunday at the age of 40, a day after he underwent his third major operation in less than a month. Sawchuck was admitted to Long Beach, Long Island Memorial Hospital on April 29th. A week or so after Sawchuck was hospitalized, reports of a fight between Sawchuck and Stewart at the E&J pub in Long Beach began circulating, according to Inspector Joseph F. Lane of the Long Beach Detective Division. Lane said yesterday that at the time he wanted to determine whether Sawchuck had suffered the injury in the bar which would have come under his jurisdiction. He assigned Detective Joseph P. Donnelly to question Sawchuck at the hospital. Sawchuck apparently told Donnelly that he and Stewart had been roughhousing on the lawn of the rented home at 58 Bay Street in East Atlantic Beach. The detective then asked Sawchuk if he wanted to prefer criminal charges. Sawchuk replied there was no reason to, since there were no criminal charges and the accident occurred apparently out of the Long Beach police jurisdiction. Lane said that he did not pursue the matter any further. But about 10 days ago, Lane said, Sawchuk took a turn for the worse. I then told the Nassau County Police 
what I had learned. Dr. Elliot Gross, Deputy Chief Medical Examiner of New York City, who performed the autopsy on Sachuk Sunday, said yesterday that the exact cause of death was a blood clot that had traveled from a vein into a pulmonary artery, but he also determined that there was, quote, trauma or injury to the liver, which the police say was caused by a blow. 40-year-old men don't just get a pulmonary embolism, said the doctor. It usually is brought on by other factors. After Gross gave the homicide detectives his conclusions yesterday, they decided to open a full-scale investigation. They'll be questioning people at the bar in conjunction with the Long Beach police and will also talk to neighbors as well as Stewart, who was unavailable for comment yesterday. Now, this report goes on to say that Sawchuck had also suffered gallbladder damage after the incident. A few days after he was admitted to the Long Beach Hospital, his gallbladder was removed, and we'd heard that on multiple times since Terry actually entered the hospital. An operation on his liver followed. Last Friday, he was moved to New York Hospital, which is a, a larger and better equipped care site. On Saturday night, after another operation on his liver, Rangers retained a lawyer for Stewart. That lawyer's name is Nicholas Castellano. He's Mr. Defense Attorney of Nassau County, a colleague remarked yesterday. If you can't get Castellano to defend you, you might as well go out of the country for an attorney. At the conclusion of the Homicide Squad's investigation, the findings will be presented to the Nassau District Attorney, William Kahn. He will decide whether the evidence warrants a grand jury investigation. A homicide detective said yesterday, it looks as if this will have to go before a grand jury, and that would be the best thing. Police obviously want to make sure that all the bases are covered, and there is no, no uh, grounds for any type of uh, criticism for how they handled this incident, given that they're getting a, a very late start into the investigation more than a month after the incident that caused Sawchuck's injuries actually happened. Gerald Eskenazi actually scouted out E&J's pub in, in uh, Long Island, and uh, he said that uh, yesterday at noon there was only one patient in the building. The barmaid said she was not working the night Sawchuck was injured, and the bartender on duty yesterday, she said she was only a part-timer since I haven't seen him. I don't know where he is. Eskenazi was able to determine that the bartender on the night in question was reported to have ejected Sawchuck and Stewart when horseplay, as they called it, developed. After the two players continued outside, the bartender was said to have told them to just get on home. Eskenazi then quotes the Toronto Star account uh, where they interviewed Stewart and he said that he had no memory of any dispute with Sawchuck. Now Stewart and Sawchuck rented their white stucco front four-bedroom home for Murray Frischer who lives at 320 Central Park West and uses a Long Beach home as a summer residence. They paid Frischer about $225 a month for the house which they acquired through a rental agency. Eskenazi did get hold of Frischer and he said that he had never met Sawchuck and had seen Stewart only twice. The second time on May 1st, two days after Sawchuck was admitted to the hospital. Frischer said, I wanted to give him back his one month security. The house looked fine. There was no clue that anything was wrong, that Sawchuck was even in the hospital. Stewart was going back home to Canada and he never said a word to me about any problem that might have occurred. A week before, when the pair met for the first time, Stewart had asked Frischer about renting the house again next year. Frischer uh, replied to him, who knows if you'll even be with the Rangers and maybe you'll be taken in the expansion draft. So Frischer knew what was going on in hockey and was obviously familiar with both Sawchuk and Stewart as far as who they were, if not knowing them personally. Frischer said, as the story ends, that Stewart had told him that had coach Emil Francis assurance that Stewart would be with the team again next 
season. Now, you'll remember in this previous uh, clip that we just told you about Nicholas Castellano as the lawyer for Stewart. Well, Canadian Press actually carried a statement by Castellano which said, the lawyer of hockey player Ron Stewart said today that the investigation of the death of Terry Sawchuk should be over fairly rapidly. There is no crime in this entire situation, said Nicholas Castellano in an interview. We find in this press release that Stewart has actually left his home near Barrie, Ontario, Canada and traveled to Nassau County uh, for the investigation so he could answer some questions. Castellano, hired by the Rangers to represent Stewart, said the investigation here shouldn't take long. He said he's interviewed enough witnesses to come to the conclusion that the, the incident was exactly as described by Terry Sawchuk. Castellano said that he expects that the Nassau County District Attorney will bring the witnesses before a grand jury. He said they will tell their story and that will be the end of it. Castellano added that he has instructed his client Ron Stewart to talk to no one and that includes the press. The Toronto Star, which is Toronto's afternoon daily paper, the major one, I guess you could say, also ran a story on June 2nd. This was a front page story that was not attributed to any particular author. No byline is given and we'll report what their story says. Nassau County homicide detectives pressed on the day in their investigation into the death Sunday of goalie Terry Sawchuk after the doctor who performed an autopsy said a quote blunt force injury led to complications that caused Sawchuk's death. The report goes on to say that District Attorney William Kahn was awaiting the results of the police investigation which involved door-to-door -door interviews in the neighborhood where Sawchuk shared the accommodations with Ron Stewart uh, before deciding whether or not to turn the case over to a grand jury and uh, it seemed at that point that that was uh, probably going to be a necessary step. For our Canadian friends who may not be uh, overly familiar with the American justice system, the grand jury in the United States hears evidence and then decides whether or not there is a possibility that a crime has been committed and whether criminal proceedings should be instituted. Police said they were attempting to find witnesses who may shed some light on the events of the night of April 29th. The night Sawchuk said he hurt himself uh, in that course of some sort of horseplay with Stewart on the lawn of the rented bungalow. Now this report says that Stewart was asked to fly to New York by the lawyer Nicholas Castellano so that they could meet and discuss the facts of the case. Castellano, as this report mentions, as we said before, was hired to represent Ronnie Stewart by the New York Rangers before Sawchuk's death in the New York hospital. And the lawyer said Stewart would have nothing to say at all on the affair. Any client I have does no talking. Right wrong or indifferent. This report uh, goes into a little more detail on what Dr. Gross said after the uh, autopsy to Terry Sawchuk. He describes that there was a laceration of the liver uh, and Sawchuk underwent the two operations to remove collection of blood in his liver as a result of that laceration. The Toronto Star report goes on to uh, describe what the police investigation is going. Uh, Detective Sergeant Matthew Bonara of the Nassau County Homicide Squad said he had a team of 10 detectives in the neighborhood questioning potential witnesses, including habitués of a bar known as E&J's Pub in Long Beach. And we know now that that is where some sort of an altercation uh, between the two may have uh, begun to take place. Banara also said, uh, quote, eventually we'll get to question Ron Stewart as well. So far, that is as of June 2nd, Stewart had made no statements to the police on the matter and he has told reporters that he doesn't remember anything of the horseplay episode as described by Terry Sawchuk. A few days after Sawchuk was first admitted to the Long Beach Hospital, Stewart returned to his home in Barrie, Ontario, where he had remained until returning to New York today. But that was something that was always in the plan. 
On Wednesday, June 3rd, the New York Times had another detailed story on how a grand jury would hear the case to determine if criminal charges against Ron Stewart were warranted. Uh, the story begins with the Nassau County District Attorney deciding on the 2nd of June to let a grand jury determine whether a crime had been committed in the death of Terry Sawchuk. Since Sunday, when Sawchuk passed away at the New York Hospital, homicide squad detectives from Nassau County had been investigating reports that Sawchuk had been hospitalized following a drunken brawl on April 29th. The district attorney, William Kahn, said the Nassau County grand jury would meet next Monday and probably finish hearing evidence by the end of the week. So at this point in time, according to the New York Times, William Kahn, the Nassau County uh, district attorney, is convinced that it's going to take probably a week to hear all the evidence in this matter, which sounds to me like they're treating this like a pretty serious situation. The report goes on to say if the grand jury believes that a crime has in fact been committed, an indictment would be handed down charging one of several offenses with the most serious of those being manslaughter. D.A. Kahn said that Emil Francis, the National Hockey League team's coach and general manager, would be subpoenaed, as well as Ron Stewart, who, as we mentioned, arrived in Long Island from Barrie yesterday, and that's when he met with his lawyer. Kahn also said that Rosemary Sasso and Benjamin Weiner, both of whom apparently witnessed the incident, would be asked to appear before the grand jury. Stewart's lawyer Castellano told the New York Times that uh, Ron Stewart and Miss Sasso will actually meet with the district attorney this morning. The physician who examined Sawchuck the night of the incident was Dr. Dennis F. Nicholson, whose office is at Long Beach. Dr. Nicholson, a family physician for many of the Rangers, said he was telephoned the night of April 29th by Miss Sasso. Now, we hadn't heard Miss Sasso's name earlier in this story, and you wonder why she's significant? Well, Dr. Nicholson actually sheds light on that story. Nicholson says, I'd known her for some time. She used to be a nurse at Long Beach Memorial Hospital. Miss Sasso, who had told Dr. Nicholson that she was Stewart's fiance, asked him to come to the player's home at 58 Bay Street. The doctor related that when he arrived, he found Sachuk in horrible pain and he was in shock. He was pale, had extremely low blood pressure. The shock must have been from all the pain he was experiencing. Dr. Nicholson sheds more light on who and what was going on and who was present at the time when Sawchuk uh, was injured. Besides Stewart, Miss Sasso, and Sawchuk, Dr. Nicholson also saw Mr. Weiner at the house. Weiner, the manager of Cookies, which is a well-known restaurant in the Green Acres Shopping Center at Valley Stream, was described by the doctor as Sawchuk's only close friend. Dr. Nicholson says they told me there had been a fight. He telephoned the Long Island Beach Hospital for an ambulance to take Terry for more care. A few days later, Dr. Nicholson said, when I heard Terry had his gallbladder removed, I visited him in the hospital. He was in bad shape, intravenous feeding, tubes, and arm draped limply over the side of the bed. Terry told me that Stewart had been bugging him all year and he'd finally gotten fed up. I punched him and knocked him down, Sawchuck said, according to the doctor. Dr. Nicholson continued and quoted Sawchuck as saying, They kicked us out of the bar and I hit him again. I just kept knocking him down. The pair drove home in separate cars. At the house, Sawchuck said, I tagged him again and I knocked him down again. I jumped on him and I fell on his knee. Then Sawchuck added in his story, I started it and I finished it. Dr. Nicholson said that although Sawchuk gave the appearance of being very thin, in fact, some people described him as gaunt before the injury, the doctor said Terry was actually very strong. I was struck by his build when I examined him. 
Now, as is usually the case in matters such as this, so my experience as a detective and a police officer taught me this pretty quickly, that you're always going to have conflicting versions, and this this incident is no exception. Lawyer Castellano gave D- Newsman a slightly different version of what happened when Dr. Nicholson arrived. The attorney said Dr. Nicholson had found no visible injuries to Sawchuck. Castellano also said that Miss Sasso could find no injuries either, and remember, she used to be a nurse. According to Castellano, Miss Sasso shared the house with Stewart and Sawchuck. Castellano said the accident happened when Wiener tried to separate Sawchuck and Stewart at the house. The three fell over a barbecue grill, Castellano said, and Sawchuck began to moan, I'm in tremendous pain. Now back then in 1970, I had a great interest in this story. Of course, getting information that was reputable and, and could be confirmed was really difficult. And again, remember, I'm only 19 years old at this time, but I was trying to find out everything I could. I had a journalism career on my mind and I was kind of practicing, you know, but working remotely from hundreds of miles away isn't easy but I do remember somewhere and I wish I had my notes I made back then that Terry Sawchuck was injured by a barbecue poker which may have caused the laceration to his liver up to this point I haven't mentioned it but this is the first point in the reports that I found that might have led some credence and I wish I could find where that report came from So on Wednesday, June 4th, the Toronto Star carried another front page story, and this one they did attribute to Stan Fischler, and this sort of contains Ron Stewart's side of the story, and it's interesting that the lawyer allowed Stewart to speak to Stan Fischler. Actually, he didn't speak just to Stan. I found out afterwards that they held a press conference, I think is how this all came to be. Uh, Here's the story as Fischler rates it. Hockey player Ron Stewart, clearly upset by the death of uh, roommate Terry Sawchuck, said today the argument they had the night they fought was about housekeeping, chores, and the rent. Sawchuck died Sunday in a New York hospital from complications arising from injuries he received. Today, Stewart, who said, I'm ready to go out of my mind because of the goalie's death, broke his silence on the events of April 29th for the first time. Fishler reports that uh, Stewart made his statement to reporters on his way into a meeting with Nassau County District Attorney William Kahn, who was ordered a grand jury to investigate Sawchuck's death. All his lifetime, Terry took much worse falls on the ice, and he always bounced back. Then he trips on top of me, and suddenly his life has ended. I just can't tell you how broken up I am. Stewart continued, when I think of it, I'm ready to go out of my mind. The thing that started the argument was so stupid. We had rented this house in Long Beach during the season and we're going to move out in a couple of days. So I told Terry we had to clean up the place. He laughed about it. He didn't take me seriously. I told him we got to get busy. His answer was to hell with it. So I told Terry we had to clean up the place. He said it it wasn't it wasn't uh, necessary. And I told him, this is Stuart talking, we've got to get busy. We've got to give the house back in the shape the owner gave it to us. Stewart also said that they had discussed some financial aspects of the house rental and that he had asked Sawchuck to help contribute to the $134 he had paid on the rental. That made him blow his top, Stuart went on. He pulled out a roll and handed me $130 and told me to shove it. Stuart said that Ben Weiner, their mutual friend, broke up their scuffle inside the house. I went out, said Stuart, and Terry pursued me to the sidewalk and we went at it again. Finally, Ben and some others separated us and I went home. Stewart said that he returned in their quarters and Sawchuck followed him there later where the dispute erupted once again, this time on the front lawn of the house. Ron said, at first I couldn't understand what had gotten into Terry, but I found out later about things that were bugging him and I can't tell you how sorry I am that I didn't turn away. 
the guy had some real problems. Stewart related that Sawchuck was trying to effect a reconciliation with his wife. You don't know how much Terry loved that woman, Stewart said. He's crazy about her, and his heart just melted over those kids of theirs. Stewart added, Terry was brokenhearted. You've got to understand the guy to know how badly he felt. He was very sensitive, and as tough as he might have been on the rink, he was a softie where it counted in his heart. Stewart explained that his friend Rosemary Sasso had tried to quiet them, but couldn't stop the dispute, and the two began wrestling again. Then he recalled Wiener arrived and said that Wiener grabbed Sawchuck from behind, trying to keep him off Stewart. But Terry just kept coming after me. I backed away and I tripped over a metal barbecue that had been lying on the lawn. It was dark at the time and when Terry came after me with Wiener still holding him on, he caught his foot in my legs and fell on top of me and, and he was toppled along uh, with me. Stewart said that he couldn't understand how Sawchuck had been so seriously hurt in the fall. He fell on me, that's for sure, added Stewart, but I think he hit himself on one of the protrusions on the cooker, or even possibly against my knee. Stewart said he thought that Sawchuck was acting when he screamed in pain. I soon realized that he wasn't putting us on, and I told Rosemary to phone Dr. Nicholson. Ron said that Sawchuck at first didn't want a doctor because he was a afraid word would leak out to his father who was in the hospital after an auto accident but the doctor was called and he had Terry taken to Long Beach Memorial Hospital. Stewart completed his press conference by saying it's all like a bad dream when I look back at it now we all went to the hospital Rosemary, Ben, his wife, his kid and myself. Terry was kidding about being brought there. You guys are crazy he kept saying there's nothing wrong with me and that's what we thought too and then they removed his gallbladder. I figured that was what all the trouble was, just a bad gallbladder. But when the days and weeks passed and they just kept operating on him, it, it didn't make sense to me. A fall like that, just like a thousand he's taken on that hard ice and nothing ever happened to him. And then this thing happened and Terry's gone. It just doesn't make sense. Stewart had arrived at the DA's office at 10.56 a.m. accompanied by Mrs. Sasso and attorney Nicholas Castellano. They emerged from a two-door dark green Cadillac. Stewart was wearing a gray suit with a blue shirt and a light striped tie. Castellano reiterated that his client would fully cooperate with the district attorney. Fischler's story also carries uh, a brief statement by Dr. Nicholson, who says that the first doctor to treat Sawchuck after he was injured told the star the goaltender admitted afterward that he had instigated the fight with Stewart. Dr. Nicholson said, I have no reason to doubt Sawchuck's story from the nature of the attack. Stewart figured to be the one who have been hurt, not Sawchuck. Dr. Nicholson had arrived at the bungalow. This is his story uh, that Stewart and Sawchuck rented about 15 or 20 minutes after Sawchuck was injured. The doctor said he gave the goalie a shot of a painkiller, called an ambulance, and had him taken to Long Beach Memorial Hospital. A few days later, Nicholson said he talked to Sawchuck, who was, quote, sheepish about the incident that began with an argument at the Long Beach Bar. Yesterday, D.A. Khan turned the Sawchuck case over to the grand jury, whose investigation will begin Monday. Well, in the same issue of the Toronto Star that day, the uh, great columnist Milt Dunnell had some questions, as we all did. Where were the New York Rangers in all of this? Dunnell wrote a column on this uh, subject. He, he begins by asking how... Does an internationally known personality get admitted to hospital suffering critical injuries without causing at least some slight quiver of curiosity on the part of the cops? And remember, this didn't happen at Baffin Island or in Uptuck-Tuck. This happened on Long Island, a bedroom of New York. The Nassau County Homicide Squad is busy enough now. It has 10 men interviewing persons who might tell them something about what happened way back on the night of April 29th when Terry Sawchuck, one of hockey's greatest goalies, suffered damage which is now under investigation. 
Possible witnesses include patrons of a pub where Sawchuck and his roommate, Ron Stewart, lifted a few prior to the events that put Sawchuck in hospital with injuries from which he would never recover. The police, of course, might be expected to ask some questions at the hospital, too. Questions such as when a person comes in with this type of injury, isn't it a routine to advise the cops? If the hospital didn't notify the gendarmes, why not? If the hospital did tell them what was going on, were they too busy to follow it up? The Rangers, who everyone knows employ both Sawchuck and Stewart, have been under at least implied criticism for hushing up the whole affair, even though Sawchuck was in the intensive care unit of the Long Beach Memorial Hospital on that hospital's critical list. And as it turns out, the rap against the Rangers is probably partly unfair. You see, the Rangers... Emil Francis, general manager, wasn't notified of the incident either. He claims that he still hasn't been officially advised of Sawchuk's admittance to the hospital. About 10 days, and this is his estimate, after April 29th, while Francis was out of town on a scouting trip, he received a call from a doctor friend, the physician, is not on the Long Beach Hospital staff. This doctor is unnamed. He asked uh, Francis if he knew that one of his players was in a hospital with serious injuries. Uh, Emil says, when he told me it was Sawchuck, I couldn't believe it. Terry had been in my office the day after the season ended, and he said that he was returning home to Detroit, and Francis says, that's where I thought he was. Francis goes on to say, when I asked the doctor whether there had been an accident or what the heck had happened, he said he couldn't say because, of course, ethics were involved. So Francis went right back to New York from where he'd been fishing in Quebec. And he said when he got to the hospital, they didn't want to let him in because he wasn't a relative. And yet one reporter had gotten in to interview Terry uh, at that time as well. Well, Francis haggled and finally did manage to negotiate his way into the uh, hospital room where Terry was. Francis elected to keep the affair quiet, although the goalie obviously was in pretty bad shape. It wasn't until three weeks after Sachuk had entered the hospital that Gerald Eskenazi, hockey writer for the New York Times, broke the story. This was at least 10 days after Francis had discovered what was going on. Asked about keeping the whole thing quiet, Francis says this was a decision I had to make for myself. I asked Sawchuck why he had not tried to contact me right away, and he said he didn't want to cause us any problems. Now I have found out he wanted us to withhold any information, and that was because Terry's father had been badly injured in a car accident early in April, and Terry was afraid that the news might hurt his dad. When the Times story revealed the extent of Sawchuck's injuries, which were known up to that time, Stewart, who had returned to his home in Barrie, denied any knowledge of the affair, and of course he wondered how such a story could get started. It was at that point that the Rangers decided to appoint Castellano as Stewart's attorney. Donald continues in his column that the Rangers' important issue at this point is to clear Stewart of any criminal responsibility. Both Francis and NHL President Clarence Campbell are confident Sawchuck's death will be declared accidental in whatever investigation is held. And here's where Milt Dunnell gets into what is always at the root of these types of problems. Big money is involved, Dunnell writes. Every NHL player is insured for $50,000 by the league. In case of accidental death, the indemnity is doubled. Most clubs, including the Rangers presumably, have separate insurance policies on their players with double indemnity in the event of accidental death. The amounts vary but are in the twenty-five dollars to $50,000 bracket for a normal death. This is not a normal death. The next day, the, the New York Times also carried a story that reported that Ron Stewart spoke with the district attorney for about 50 minutes. Uh, not a lot of new information was shed on the whole uh uh, story by Gerald Eskenazi, but he did clear up a few facts that we might have not have known about the story at that time. 
Eskenazi reports that lawyer Castellano refused to allow Stewart to be interviewed, and he did describe the incident this way. There were absolutely no punches thrown, just a little shoving. He said the arguments had started between the two over house cleaning uh, at the player's rented home, and now the story begins to get more consistent, at least as the way the doctor describes things and as Stewart describes things. So they're trying to establish some consistency here, which would be the right thing to do, and this may actually have taken place exactly as Ron Stewart described it. Reporters asked Castellano why Stewart had returned to Canada on May 1st, only two days after Sawchuk had been hospitalized and they knew in what bad shape he was. Castellano informed the, the press that a member of Stewart's family had been taken ill, so Ron had gone back to Canada because of that. He says that Stewart went to see Sawchuck and told him that he had to go home, but that he'd be back, and he asked if Sawchuck needed anything, and, he re and Terry replied that he didn't. A few days later, Sawchuck returned and visited Sawchuck in the hospital once again. We didn't know that up until this point. Now the uh, timeline begins to change here in Gerald's story when he says that the district attorney is expected to call seven witnesses and it is expected that all the witnesses would be finished giving their evidence on Monday, the day that the grand jury uh, begins. And it's likely that the grand jury will actually reach a decision on whether to indict Stewart by Monday evening. I find it interesting how different newspapers carry uh, and cover stories at the time. The Calgary Herald had a what they uh, said was a copyright story uh, by one of the reporters, and it's made to sound like this guy got hold of Ron Stewart and interviewed him. But when you actually go through the story, what it basically is is a bunch of quotes from the press conference, and they're all about the same as the story that I gave you from Stan Fischler, who freely admitted that these comments Stewart made were from the press conference or a meeting with the press, whatever you want to call it, with the lawyer standing by Stewart's side. They were not uh, obtained by Stan in an interview, and he never told us they did. The reporter from the Calgary Herald kind of leads us to believe that he spoke with Stewart privately, but the quotes differ very little from what uh, Stan Fischler reported. Now, to be fair uh, to the Herald, later on in the story, uh, they do say that this was a public statement uh, and that... Uh, Stewart had abruptly switched the tactic of not talking to newsmen to telling his side of the story. And then the story is related. And as we mentioned, it was basically what uh, the other stories that we had read on this had taken very little. They were consistent in what they reported. We will give them that. June 5th, uh, the Detroit Free Press had the uh, major story of the day. And while the, the lead part of the story describes the arrangements for Sawchuck's funeral, describing who's going to be there, Paul Bears, stuff like that, there was a piece later on uh, that said that Sawchuck's former wife, Pat, of Union Lake, Michigan, discounted the report from New York that Sawchuck was fighting with the Ranger teammate Ron Stewart because he was despondent after a failed reconciliation attempt. And if you remember the uh, story by Stan Fischler we talked about, Ron Stewart said exactly that. Mrs. Sawchuck said the last time she saw Terry was at the Pontiac General Hospital where he came to visit his father in early April. Uh, Mrs. Sawchuck said, we talked at the hospital for two or three hours, then we picked up the kids and we went out and we had dinner together. Pat said that Terry told her that after the season, he'd like to take the kids to Florida and wanted me to go along to take care of them. I think in his mind, he felt that was the final chance for a reconciliation. He kissed the kids goodbye and we left on the best of terms. Mrs. Sawchuck said that she didn't learn of Terry's injury until 10 days after it happened and that their eldest son, Gerald, who's 15, went to New York to be with his father. Terry's brother, also named Gerald, went to New York after the injury and was with Terry. Uh, Pat said, I sent Terry a letter, a card and pictures of the kids and wrote that I hoped he'd be out of the hospital soon and signed it, Love Pat and the Kids. 
Gerald, the son that is, said that the card and pictures gave his dad a real boost. Mrs. Sawchuk added that she didn't go to New York or telephone Terry because she says, I was told he didn't want to talk to me. On June 8th, the Toronto Star ran a story by Stan Fischler and basically in this story what Stan does is is tell the story we've already been told. He goes over, and it's been a few days, this is normal journalistic press, because he goes over what's already been told, reiterates it under the uh, uh, plan of telling us uh, what the grand jury expects to hear on this day, and his betting was that by the end of the day, uh, the whole incident would be found to be an accident, no charges would be laid. This story does clear up one... uh, interesting part that we'd wondered and was mentioned by Milt Dunnell in his column I wrote read about a little bit earlier and that was that uh, why didn't the hospital notify the police or anyone else about Sawchuck being there well in an interview a Long Beach hospital administrator Martin Nessler said that the hospital never received a complaint from Sawchuck and added that there was at the time he was admitted absolutely no hint of foul play. Therefore, Sawchuck's admittance was not immediately made public, nor would they have notified the police. Nestor said that Sawchuck's physician had him admitted to a private room. Sawchuck was conscious when he came in and did not indicate he wanted to file any complaint. Under the circumstances, it's not our policy to publicize a patient's stay. We frequently have people of prominence and usually they want no publicity about their hospitalizations. Following up with the Nassau County Police Homicide Squad, they confirm that it's a discretionary matter with the hospital as to whether or not they even contact the police. So this fellow, uh, Mr. Nestor, he's a hospital administrator. He sounds like, uh, as we go on in this article, that he's definitely trying to protect his organization from any liability that that may be uh, arisen, questions of that. Anyway, he says that... uh, after his admitted, Sachuk was almost immediately prepared for surgery. He had two operations at Long Beach, first for the removal of the gallbladder and later to repair a lacerated liver. We know that a third operation was performed on Sachuk at New York Hospital on May 30th. Sachuk was dead at 10 a.m. on the morning of the 31st. Now, Nestor says Sachuk was moved to the New York Hospital against the advice of of our physicians. It was felt that no more could be done for him, at least surgically. Nestor explained that Sawchuck's family was, quote, content with his treatment at Long Beach Hospital and that surgeons there wanted him to remain at that facility. It was felt, Nestor went on, that the best course for Sawchuck was rest and proper medical therapy. However, the Ranger team physician convinced the family to overrule Long Beach Hospital and Terry was removed to New York Hospital. Dr. James Nicholas, don't confuse him with Dr. Dennis Nicholson, whom we uh, uh, spoke about earlier describing the events of the night in question. Dr. James Nicholas is the official Rangers physician, and he said he had ordered Sachuk transferred to New York Hospital, and he outlined his reasons. Dr. Nicholas says Sachuk was very sick and nothing else could be done for him at the Long Island Hospital. New York Hospital had an arteriogram not available in Long Beach, which could determine how much internal damage Sawchuck was suffering. And now we find out that Dr. Nicholas said that he knew nothing about an objection on the part of Long Beach Hospital uh, to Terry Sawchuck being moved at all. Dr. Ralph Flax, one of the doctors attending Sawchuck at the Long Beach Hospital, said he had no comment when contacted about the transfer of Sawchuck. So we have uh, one hospital criticizing another hospital for uh, having their patient moved from them. Uh, sound like a little bit of turf war going on there. Uh, it, it is known that the Long Beach Hospital was not as large a facility and did not have the equipment nor the expertise that existed in the larger Manhattan New York Hospital. And the Rangers just wanted the best care for Terry. And I think they felt that that was the proper 
uh, course to follow. The Long Beach people, uh, while not coming out and saying it, kind of hint that they felt that the moving Terry to the other hospital may cause may have caused the decline in his condition. And when we look back at the conflicting stories we talked about in episode two of this series, we find out that there were different uh, words being descri- being used to describe Terry's condition. Some said he was in good condition. Some said he was improving. Others said he was still critical. Others yet said he was serious, somewhere in between. Now we get to the root of why these reports were so confusing. Different people were saying different things, and some of them may have had an agenda for why they were saying what they did. Late in the afternoon of June 8th, the day of the grand jury hearing, United Press International broke the news of the results of what was a pretty quick grand jury deliberation. The story says the Nassau County grand jury exonerated New York Ranger right winger Ron Stewart of any responsibility in the death of teammate Terry Sawchuk. The 20-man grand jury, now in those days, man was uh, a generic term. Uh, Today we would say 20 person grand jury or as it probably was in 1970 it was 20 men that made up this grand jury and and you wonder I wonder how the uh, makeup of that particular grand jury was determined but 20 men were on the grand jury they heard testimony from eight witnesses including Ron Stewart in a three-hour session and then with virtually no deliberation declined to return an indictment district attorney William Kahn said the death of Terry Sawchuk is going to be regarded as completely accidental. Khan, when talking about the evidence, said that although some blows were attempted, there was no testimony given that blows were struck by either party. He goes on to say that the evidence showed that there was a visible argument with a lot of pushing and shoving. Each party had been drinking and each may have been slightly intoxicated. Khan did not go into a lot of detail in this late afternoon statement and simply said that he regarded this case as closed. He described it as tragic and senseless. The New York Times had the big story on uh, the grand jury findings the very next morning and uh, their headline just said cause of fatality ruled accidental. They described much of the stuff that uh, the district attorney said but they got into a little bit of the evidence that the grand jury heard. Uh, When talking about the the night in question, uh, the sequences of events uh, and they taking uh, DA attorney a district attorney Khan's description. They said that Sawchuk and Stewart were drinking at the E&J Club, which is a favorite New York Ranger hangout in uh, Long Beach. When they were first at the bar, they were served by the barmaid, Margaret Wilson of Long Beach, but she went off duty at 8 p.m. Then Joe Crane, a part-time bartender, served drinks to Sawchuk and Stewart. The players got into an argument, reported over how much responsibility each had to clean up their house, and uh, their lease was expiring and they wanted to leave it uh, as they had found it. According to witnesses, the pair shoved each other at the bar. Later at their home, the pair resumed their arguments, pushing each other, and Stewart fell on his back. Sawchuk fell over top of him. Some of the more pertinent evidence that was given that night was by Dr. Dennis Nicholson. You remember he was a doctor that was caused by called by Rosemary uh, Sasso to come to the house and he said that when he examined Sawchuk the night of the accident he found him in shock. Uh, he also said that uh, Sawchuk was the person who told him the punches were thrown but most of them were thrown by Sawchuk himself. Uh, The doctor described Sawchuk to the grand jury as being very strong. Uh, He was amazed by his physique when he examined him. The internal injuries Sawchuk had received apparently were caused by his being struck extremely solidly. Dr. Nicholson said Sawchuk's abdominal muscles after more than 20 years of stretching, pulling, and crouching at his goalie position were highly developed. Now, there were published reports that Sawchuk may have been ill before the altercation with Stewart uh, and 
different reporters uh, wrote stories on that, and there was absolutely, according to the district attorney, no substantiation of those reports, uh, especially reports that quoted Rosemary Sasso as saying Sachuk had been spitting blood for two weeks before the misadventure. That was not true. The Toronto Star, who unfortunately published just too late to carry the story uh, when it broke the uh, on the 8th, the afternoon of the 8th, did have a story in their afternoon edition uh, on the 9th, after the uh, story had been reported by the Toronto Globe and Mail and, of course, the uh, New York Times and other papers. The Star, for some reason, didn't use a Stan Fischler story on the grand, uh, grand jury decision. I'm not sure whether Stan filed a report or, or what would have happened there, but they opted to uh, run a Canadian press report and there isn't much different to this Canadian press report than what we had already mentioned to you earlier in this episode. There were a couple of interesting little uh, statements. The uh, statement by a uh, district attorney Khan had said Sajak's death was tragic and senseless. They quote him as saying Sajak's passing was tragic, senseless, and bizarre. District Attorney Khan is also quoted as saying the exact cause of Sawchuk's injury remains unknown. There was no evidence by any of the witnesses that any blows were struck. Numerous other wire services and newspapers carried the story as well uh, in the next day or two, but there was very little difference from the Canadian press and New York Times stories. Papers in those days were very careful about printing details of court proceedings. I found uh, very little what was left to the uh, interpretation for the reader. Uh, papers were very diligent in making sure that quotes were reported almost uh, verbatim as best they could, and writers not very often at all put in any uh, conjecture or speculation, and there was in those days, very little criticism of the lawyers, but especially of the district attorneys or the courts involved. Very different 50 years later, I would say. So that brings the legal uh, reporting of what happened to Terry Sawchuk and how his death was caused to an end. We learned that Ron Stewart and Terry were involved in some kind of a dispute Terry was injured. The injuries proved fatal. Ron Stewart, and I believe this, I don't think ever at any point intended to injure his friend Terry Sawchuk. So we'll move on to the final episode of this series. And what we'll do is we'll talk about, uh, and we'll actually give you the writing by journalists of the time as they summed up how they felt about Terry Sawchuk, the man, and the player, and I think you'll find it very interesting, and it'll give you a good insight into who the greatest goaltender in National Hockey League history actually was. We'll see you next time.